Thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're a church in the great city of San Francisco, and our heart is that everyone would experience true sanctuary in Jesus. We're currently in a series called Just Jesus, where we're walking through the Gospel of Mark so that in this time of deconstruction and disappointment, we can simply get our eyes on this person of Jesus. Just a quick note, our teaching often does include a decent amount of discussion and community response, and we do intentionally edit that out in order to preserve confidentiality and the Sunday experience. So you'll likely not hear the full content or context of the teaching, but still, our hope is that this will encourage you and equip you. And really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. Here it is. Our series called Just Jesus, which um, probably most of you know, we've been looking at the utterly stunning, breathtaking, awesome person of Jesus Christ with the kind of the idea that what we behold, we become. And um, today we're going to look at a sort of, it's quite a unique healing miracle in that it doesn't sort of happen immediately. Um, uh, (laughs) Someone's at the door. Uh, (laughs) um, So... I, I don't know how you feel about healing, but um, I kind of, I just love that idea that something wonderful, miraculous, you know, amazing would just break into my normal mundane day-to-day. Um, and, you know, I love the idea of healing, but, you know, as we kind of all know, that there are times when, you know, what happens, like, when you hope and believe for something and pray your heart out and then you're left just waiting or you're left with an apparent no or you know you've you called on god for something and and, you know for healing and it's actually got worse so um is there something maybe that you got you know you personally have been asking god for but you're left with silence and i think like even in our like apprenticeship to jesus i think it can feel sometimes you know like what i'm beholding is kind of the opposite of what i'm becoming (laughs) or like you know the waiting for transformation for me has kind of almost left me feeling like more stuck than free at times. So if you resonate with kind of any of this, then the passage this morning is for you. And we're going to see that both the destination and the process are important. So we're going to look at two things. God is present in process. And we're going to sort of take a little walk through the verses and see what we can pull out from them and what God might be saying to us and then with the second part which is a little bit shorter we're going to look at the destination is wholeness so kind of what we've been talking about this like big picture of of salvation history that we're welcomed into and um, we're going to look at healing in the kingdom of God and what we do with disappointment when you know what we pray for just doesn't appear to have happened so we're going to look at Mark 8 verse 22 to 26 So it's quite short. I'll just read it. Um, It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, to Jesus, a blind man, and begged him to touch him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spat on his eyes, I've got some spitting again, and laid his hand on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, "Mm, I see people, but they look like trees walking. (laughs) And Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. 
and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Okay. So yeah, Jesus, we just invite you to come and minister to us right now, to speak to us, that your word would go so deep into our heart, that you would bring transformation as we look at you. Yeah, we adore you. Amen. Is it possible to turn there? I've got a really big draft down the back of my neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sitting underneath the air conditioning. Is that all right or is everybody really hot? Is that okay? It's the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so number one, the process. The pro- God is present in process. So as we see, this wasn't like an instantaneous healing, like immediately. It sort of happened in stages. And I think we're kind of in this age, probably more than ever in history, where... Um, you know, everything is instant, isn't it? Like fast food, the speed of life, um, you know, like we prize efficiency. Um, and I think even like in my life with Jesus, you know, I like, I want to skip to that transformed bit rather than kind of go through the quite often slow process of change. But what we're going to see is God is present in the process. The journey matters. He does things in the waiting. And about a decade ago, um, we, we began this process, which um, I thought would be about six months tops, and it ended up being about nine, ten years. <laughs> and um, as you know, we've got three children, and um, each of them has had significant sleep issues, mainly to do with kind of intolerances to food and asthma and various things like that. Um, but basically, um, we kind of like, I've, you know probably more than ever in my life like of all the various seasons and traumatic events and even like my mum getting cancer when I was a teenager and things like that this just not getting sleep was probably one of the biggest like things that has made me question like like does prayer even work like why it could be really easy like just what two hours in a row that's all I'm asking you know like just this feeling of like frustration and questioning like like, God, you even, are you even real? You know, it's like, that's what this kind of process has kind of stirred in me. And, um, but I wanted to just share a few of the ways that God has actually been present for me in this process. So our first um, child, he would wake up once an hour. So like 11 times a night for like over a year. And um, just screaming, like screaming his head off. And this time for me was kind of marked by, if I'm honest... I would love to say, like, oh, all these amazing encounters with God in the middle of the night. But really what I felt was more of a sense of his absence than a sense of his presence. And um, kind of during this time, it was like, kind of, for me, it was like learning to ask God, like, what are you doing in this season, God? Like, can you frame it for me? Can you give me some sense of, like, orientate me to your purposes and your plans in this, in this time? And I didn't get like a, a really sort of audibly clear response. But what did happen was that he sort of put this awareness in me that either this could make me hard or it could make me hungry. So I was like, well, I'm determining with you, God, would it make me hungry, not hard? I, you know, and what kind of happened was this sort of like desperation <laughs> for like, I have to have Jesus. Like there is no other option. And it kind of made me like clear the, you know, decks of like even housework, you know, I'm going to prioritize. I need him. I need God. And this sort of like fierceness in pursuit of him. And I just remember some of like the most disp- like despairing moments in my life where I'm just in the heap 
in a heap on the on the floor in the middle of the night just weeping my heart out being like I act I actually don't know what to do I feel like I'm having an aneurysm I just you know like I've called on you God where are you and just kind of in this place of utter despair and often what happened in these moments was it wasn't like this hugely powerful encounter with his love or something but what it was it was like a little seed of hope that I could do the next day like I could just keep going like that you know almost like um we were talking earlier this week about just just a touch of the hem of his garment like even that is enough like he's that powerful and that that is enough to just you know for him to keep the you know suicidal thoughts at bay and just because without being dramatic that is kind of what you feel like when you're so sleep deprived you'd rather it just sort of end and um in that time he was really teaching me that even when I couldn't feel him because I'm a very you know emotionally driven person even when I couldn't feel him he was right there his silence wasn't absence it was presence and he was protecting me from postnatal depression from keeping those you know thoughts at bay and also that worship can sometimes worship is like tears that's that's worship but it's it's your position the tears cried towards him rather than away from him by yourself that's the difference that's the, that's the game changer and then we had a second child and she didn't really sleep well for like two years and um and during that time like my capacity was so significantly reduced even more and god was revealing to me that during that time that how much i put my worth in being involved with stuff feeling useful feeling like i can contribute to church to my friends to you know anyone really and um, what he was doing was like slowly and patiently sort of working out of me this like pride self-reliance need to be useful and kind of growing in me this new identity as his precious beloved daughter and like that you know living out of that and um and then we had our third child and he started to sleep really well so we're like yes we've made it you know finally we've learned all the holy lessons that we need to learn and then six months in he starts waking up from midnight till five in the morning like for over a year and a half you know like screaming his head off i was like my first reaction was how is this fair like we've learned those lessons <laughs> you know, it's like seven years of lesson learning We're, we've got them we've got them <laughs> but i can tell you i'm so glad that God didn't stop the process there because this time mostly it was marked by by encounters with his love so like in the middle of the night where he would meet me <laughs> in such a beautiful way that I was like it's worth it it really is worth it like all this lack of sleep his love is it's so it's literally better than life and he was also teaching me that how when I felt literally at my weakest and emptiest that is when he could use me the most and just feeling this like like shift of you know dependence and like onto like you know dependence on myself to dependence on God um so I'd share that with you to just encourage you that whatever process you're currently in at the moment whatever waiting or like situation God is present and he wants to do amazing things during the process and so let's see how this particular man, this healing of the blind man, well, how can we see God present in this process? Well, in verse 23, um, we see the first thing that Jesus does. It says, Jesus takes him by the hand. And I love this because it shows us that his first concern is to draw the man close. And you've probably heard that people 
whose one one of their senses is impaired that often the other senses are kind of heightened so for this man the sense of touch it would have been like showing him the love and the kindness and the acceptance of God in a way that he really could grasp and it shows us that that God's biggest priority is relationship it's all about intimacy because our greatest need as humans is not just that our bodies are made better but that we have heart and soul healing is to know a love so strong and so deep that and is powerful enough to hold us through any situation but also through death and out the other side into eternity and this is only found in a restored relationship with our creator and by the blood of Jesus through his death and resurrection and we're not explicitly told why Jesus kind of doesn't immediately you know he he could have just responded straight away as he often does in in healing miracles but he he, he's holding him by the hand and we don't know why he doesn't immediately first you know there's a little bit of a delay but what changes everything is his presence knowing his mighty hand holding on to you in the process and maybe even somebody here today their question is like have you left me like that's kind of if you did like dig down that is at the very base of your your heart and this is Jesus saying to you today I've not left you he's reaching out his hand to you and I feel like this phrase that keeps coming back into my to my mind is intimacy amidst mystery intimacy amidst mystery and then verse 23 like continues this theme and so he then he's again not immediately healing him but he leads him out of the village and I also love the fact that this is kind of, this isn't like a public demonstration of the power of God, like showing this is the Messiah. Like Jesus is just honed in on one individual and he's taking him away from like the crowds to a you kind of like that secret place away from the village. And um, in Matthew 11, verse 21, it shows us that Bethsaida, the village, was actually known for being very unrepentant and they'd seen some miracles but they were really cynical so maybe it's like Jesus is kind of taking him like out of that atmosphere of unbelief and cynicism maybe he's kind of taking him away from that former life or from the kind of the familiar stuff or the things that the man relies on or the distractions because I think sometimes the place that we receive healing and restoration is actually when we're kind of taken out of our familiarity of our comfort zones um, because I think we have nothing to rely on but him. Um, but the amazing thing is as well that in Christianity is that we can also choose to come out of the village. And this has been a Christian practice for millennia, you know, where um, silence and solitude, devotional time, time in the secret place, in prayer with God, is like, is so vital. And um, Mike, when he, he, in his previous job, where he had this kind of really, really intense phase of work where he was just feeling so stressed and overwhelmed and he was just going into work, just firefighting kind of the problems all day. And he just felt like the kind of the, just like a little nudging of the Holy Spirit of like, can you see how dependent you are on yourself? Because it's like almost like the whole day he'd just forgotten about God. He hadn't even asked for help or, you know, he was just kind of like, oh, so he metaphorically, Mike metaphorically, took himself out of the village by just something really simple. He just put a reminder on his um, computer just to come up every hour, just to say, I can't remember what it said, but it was something that basically just reminded him of who God was. And he just takes 10 seconds to just look up, oh, like, 
God, you are the king of the universe. Just reminding himself who God is, asking for some help, just kind of shifting his focus. And what he found was that over this time, it just did something really profound in his like tendency to rely on his own strength and his own abilities and gifting into much more of a like a dependent, God-aware kind of state of being, really. And there's lots of different ways to, to come out of the village, but maybe that's something that God is like putting on your heart. Um, so then again in verse 23, uh, we have this theme of spitting. And Tim mentioned about this, you know, on this a couple of weeks ago, uh, the God who spits. And um, I think also he said, thankfully, this is not like a, you know, classic formula for healing that we all have to go and replicate. <laughs> um, but um, this is God relating to this individual. And it's Jesus following the leading of the Holy Spirit, which sometimes doesn't always look how we might expect it to. And I was reading this paper on um, saliva in the first century. It was a delightful read. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I can recommend it. Uh, but basically, it was saying, like, some people were suggesting that um, Jesus uses saliva like he spits because um, it's like at that time, you know, saliva had these sort of magical, they thought they had magical healing properties and, you know, and that, but actually what this paper was saying that, no, 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 like that's rubbish. For Jews, spitting was a sign of utter rejection. It indicated defilement, gross contempt, shame. And um, in Numbers 12 verse 14 and Deuteronomy 25 verse 9, you can see, see this kind of playing out. And um, guilt, we can sometimes sort of describe as like feeling bad about what we've done, whereas shame is kind of more to do with feeling about, bad about who you are. Now, just as an aside, true guilt, you know, where we've got that like prick or that stab in our guts where we, what we did, said, thought, or even like a secret attitude of our heart, that is wrong. That is the kindness of God. Because sin is the biggest disease, because it not only kills the body, but it can, is capable of kill, killing the soul too. And it separates us from the one who loves us more than anything. So true guilt is a gift of God. So we, you know, to turn away from that wrong, you know. But here we've got this kind of, this man who would have experienced so much shame. And sometimes shame is to do with what we've done. But also shame can be actually put on us wrongly from other people and this man because of his disability you know and particularly in that time in history people thought it was because of what you your own fault that you had a disability that you know he wasn't able to work and he was probably like a social outcast and experienced so much rejection because of um, this blindness and as I was kind of like thinking about all of this I just felt God really highlighting something that just like undid me as I kind of saw the gospel afresh because it's like Jesus, by spitting into the man's eyes and then placing his hand on it, it's like Jesus is, it's like he sees and acknowledges the problem of shame and rejection. But then he immediately, he puts his hand on it. And it's like Jesus is meeting us in our shame. And as he did so, it'd be like he'd get saliva, you know, under his fingernails. He's the God who identifies with us in that place that we would want to cover up. He meets us in that place. And then he administers healing in the place of deepest pain and shame. And really what it points to is the cross where Jesus, the perfect son of God, was spat on. He, he's the shame bearer. He takes the rejection on himself so that we receive 
affection instead. He took our filth so that we get freedom. He takes the dirt and he restores our dignity. This is amazing. This is the God that we're worshipping. This is Jesus. And I feel like there's some people that he really wants to meet in that place of shame today. Maybe there's something, this area that you just want to cover up all the time. But Jesus is actually meeting you in that place today. And we're going to get a little bit of time later to pray with one another and pray together. But even now, just picture Jesus putting his hand on that place and administering his profound healing. And then in verse 23 and 24, Jesus asks the man a question. And I think often we see Jesus asking questions and he's the all-knowing God of the universe. Quite often I don't think he asks questions because he doesn't know the answer. But it's like he asks the question because it speaks of relationship, because he wants two-way communication. He wants our engagement in our process of healing. And as Jesus says this question, do you see anything? It's like the whole posture of this man changes. It's like the man looks up. He's suddenly like engaged in what's going on. And it's like Jesus is inviting him to be real about where he's at. You know, it's improving. I can think I can see people. I love the line because it's so, it's just classically like real, isn't it? Like they look like trees walking, you know? <laughs> so like the humour is just, it's amazing. But it's like he's, he's saying, I can, you know, there is improvement, but there's more to come. It's not completely sorted yet you know so I think this kind of pattern for us like let's celebrate what God is doing but let's not let our you know let's be real but let's not let our faith levels sort of peter out because there is more to come let's press in for the more that he has for us and we do this often like when we gather together to pray at our you know corporate prayer meetings on um, Monday nights you know we're like celebrating what God is doing but we're also being real and say God there's like we were doing this morning there's so much suffering and pain in the world we've got to be real about that too you know you are working but there's more to come that God has not finished his work of restoration and salvation so let's press in for that and Jesus is like inviting this man to do you want more you know do you want complete healing so let's pause for a second um, at the end of this sort of part one and just ask Holy Spirit, what are you highlighting so far to me today? Is it that, you know, it might be that he's calling you into a place of deep intimacy, of knowing his presence, that intimacy amidst mystery? Maybe he's asking you to come out of the village. He's calling you out of the village to more like time in the secret place with him. Maybe he wants to remove shame from you today. Maybe he's inviting you to be real with him, engage in that process, be real, but also press in for the more that there is to come. So just two questions that I felt like for us to either, we can just turn like to the person next to us and just as a, like a, you know, like cementing, like this is what I feel God is saying to me now. Or just, you know, if you, if you prefer just to have a few minutes of just reflection by yourself and asking God and, you know, you can journal if you want to, or there's cards on the back of the the chairs that you can write in just ask those two questions just say holy spirit what are you highlighting um, and speaking to me about today and what do you want me to do about it what am i going to do about it so let's just take i'll just give you sort of one two minutes just to share some either share in a little group or just um journal and or do that with god now um so we're going to move on to part two which is the destination is wholeness so every time um, healing 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, so we were just in verse 25, just in case you were following along. So um, this is kind of like where the, the full healing now occurs. So um, Jesus lays his hand on the man's eyes again. But notice this time there's no spitting because the shame has been removed. But this time he's actually getting his sight fully restored. So a man whose whole world has been utter darkness and difficulty, he's able to see his family again, he's able to work, but also he's able to look into the face of his healer, the one who has loved him into wholeness. And it's like every time healing occurs, either in the Bible or even now today, um, it's like this sort of signpost to the final destination for all those who follow Jesus the kingdom of heaven where one day heaven and earth are going to unite heaven's going to come down as it shows in revelation and the glory of the lord is going to cover the entire earth as the waters cover the sea there's going to be no more pain no more sickness no more suffering no more tears everything bad and sad is going to be pushed out and we're going to get to see god face to face with nothing in the way and this blind man is like experiencing like a, just like a taste of that ultimate destination blasting in to his here and now. Because the kingdom of heaven, it's both a now and a not yet kingdom. Like it's begun because Jesus has come and he's died and resurrected. But it's also and he's begun this kingdom progression, the kingdom that's going to outlast all the other kingdoms of the earth. But also it only comes in fullness when Jesus returns again. So for the Christian, it's, the question really is not like, will you heal me, God? But when will you heal me? Is it going to be in eternity, like when you come back again? Or is, it, is that going to come sooner? Is the, the kingdom of heaven going to blast in like before then? And so far, we've seen that the process with this man has been used to, to kind of restore him at like an emotional and relational level. But I really feel like for myself and for us as well, like we mustn't miss the literal, like a, a person's physical body is like being restored you know this is like a incredible thing that is happening and i think like in the west i think we we tend to find like more like the supernatural miracles kind of slightly more difficult to get our head around and maybe you're somebody who doesn't even believe that god heals today maybe you might be curious about it maybe you think you probably kind of assent to it being true but you've just never really seen it um or maybe this is like a maybe you are really expectant that god's going to heal or maybe this is a really painful area for you because of past experience, because of disappointment, because you prayed your heart out for something and it's not happened. So I'm just going to share briefly what we believe as a church about healing, but also how do we move forward if we struggle to have faith for this? So what we see here is that Jesus wants to restore broken bodies. He wants to miraculously break into the physical realm with the heavenly one, with the kingdom of heaven. If you're not familiar with the term kingdom of heaven, I should just say it's basically it's where Jesus, the king, is in charge. So what it feels like to have his rule and reign, what it feels like to be around the king. There's peace, there's joy, there's wholeness, there's justice. Um, all of these things, there's salvation forever. Um, so he wants to do that. And Matthew in, in chapter 9, verse 35, he kind of sums up Jesus's mission on planet Earth before he went to the cross as Jesus went around teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So he's proclaiming the kingdom and he's demonstrating it. And I think it's easy to be like, well, yes, of course he did. He's Jesus. He's the king. Um, he's got some, but I think it, and it's really challenging when 
he then passes that mission on to his disciples and then on to us as his disciples. So Matthew 10, verse 5 to 8, Jesus says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. (laughs) So that's what we're called to as well. We're called to, to tell and to show, to proclaim and to demonstrate. This is normal Christianity. This is not like something just for the really keen. You know, this is actually every child of God, every follower of Jesus. This is what we're called to do. So why might we find it difficult to pray for the sick? (laughs) Or maybe we pray, but just with not a lot of expectation that anything's going to change. Well, as we mentioned at the start, apart from it being really scary, I think if we're honest, praying for the sick can be so disappointing because we've probably all got stories where we've prayed for something and it's not happened or we've prayed for healing and it's actually got worse. And um, yeah, so we kind of need to like think about this concept of, of disappointment because disappointment, if it's left unprocessed, it can quite often lead to cynicism in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think it's really hard to be full of faith if actually our heart is like clogged up with disappointment. And I really felt like in verse 26, I felt like it was literally like Jesus, like a a challenge, an invitation from Jesus to us today, where he says, don't go back to the village. It's like God is calling us away from that sort of cynical Bethsaida mindset into a fresh hunger and expectation that he really does want to use us to advance his kingdom in supernatural, miraculous ways. And I sort of personally have felt this challenge like a few years back where um, I just felt like he was kind of saying to me, do you um, let your experience, which thus far had been not seeing a lot of healings or miraculous things, do you let your experience or the truth of who I am as a healer set your expectation it's like oh yeah (laughs) um and I feel like you know this kind of this and sort of just realizing like oh like this demonstration element this isn't just for the keen keynotes this is like this is actually what God is calling every Christian to and so it kind of led to this sort of um like just searching out ways to practice for for myself you know where can I take risks in in stepping out in faith in this um we got involved in this project called healing on the streets where there's some chairs out in the high street and just like people anyone can come and sit on it and ask for healing and we got a bit of training of how to communicate in a non-weird way you know pray for healing and the love of Jesus and um and I was like reading books and collecting stories to like build faith But basically the biggest thing for me in sort of like moving forward in this journey of, um, you know, wanting to demonstrate the kingdom of God was really learning to process disappointment. And we need to acknowledge that, you know, disappointment can range from like the minor, you know, I prayed for my headache and it didn't immediately go to some really painful and traumatic things that, you know, many of you will have or are currently walking through. And so we need to acknowledge that this isn't a trivial thing and that with any process, it can sometimes take a long time to process disappointment. But I really want to encourage you that there is a way back to faith if you're feeling in that place. 
I've also found with some of the traumatic things that we as a family have gone through in the last few years and the death of loved ones and things, I've, this process has been so helpful for me in like, you know, processing um, some really big things like that, bringing my why questions to God and learning how to really lament and things like that. This is kind of really a whole another talk, which maybe I'll share with you another time. But um, just to say this, this processing disappointment is such a profound thing. We can see it in the Psalms, you know, it's like a really biblical practice. Some Psalms literally do every single step and kind of go through it and some kind of take a portion of it. But I'm getting it, um, the three steps from Wendy Mann's book. This is called um, Naturally Supernatural, probably one of my top three favourite books in the world. Um, and in one of the chapters in this, she says the three steps are um, to be real, to be real with God. Secondly, to speak the truth. And then thirdly, to lay down our right to understand. So um, just as an example of how this kind of worked for me, it was it just God kind of showed me in a really startling way how this is so important when I was kind of first trying to step out in this journey. And um, and my friend, who wasn't a Christian, um, had some like really awful nerve pain and the doctors didn't know what was wrong. And so I just felt like, OK, like pluck up the courage and like, you know, I'm a Christian, like God's really kind. Could I pray for you? And she's like. You know, I don't believe, but to be honest, I will try anything at this point. So I was like, okay. So I just prayed, and she seemed to be really meeting with the love of Jesus, and just prayed for her. And then a few days later, I was like, so how's the pain? And she's like, to be honest, it's not really any better. And I was like, so gutted because I was like, you know, doing this process, then doing this process of being real with God. God, I like not accusing him, but God, I felt like I stepped out in faith, and you left me hanging. Or you know, like for this poor girl like what does she think now of the love of Jesus like it just feels almost worse than if I'd not even offered to pray and just kind of said something you know kind and sympathetic so kind of bringing my like questions my frustration to God like you know I'm trying to grow in this and this is literally this is why I don't do it you know but kind of feeling you know being real with God about my feelings about it and my frustration and then secondly speaking the truth and then being like okay but actually the reality is God you care more about this girl knowing you and her eternal salvation and her healing than I ever could that the truth is you are a God who loves profoundly who is always working good in every situation this is the truth of who you are and then thirdly laying down my right to understand and actually having to let go of the fact that I don't know why God didn't heal her doesn't make sense to me, but I can trust her process to God. And then the next day, a friend came round who, she, I think she caught her child jumping out of a tree or something and basically torn all these muscles in her back and she could hardly stand up and she was in so much pain. And so I'm 99% sure that if I hadn't processed that disappointment the day before, I would not have offered to pray. But thankfully God was kind of like teaching me about like come back to that place of faith. And so I was like, okay, like, can I pray for you? She's like, oh, yeah. Prayed for her and almost instantly, like, the pain left. She could stand up straight. Like, God met with her. And I'm so glad I didn't not pray because God did want to do something. I don't know why. Like, the day before, he didn't seem to meet with somebody and then the next day he did. I don't understand. It is a mystery. But my job is to be obedient and I don't want to, like, let my, you know, how I'm responding to a situation actually you know, like, I'm so glad that that girl did receive healing and God wants to do what he wants to do. So um, God really does want to gently lead us to a place where we can be like those in verse 22, the friends 
who brought the blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Where we bring those around us to the healer. And one of my favourite quotes by um, Tyler Staten is, the powerfully healed become powerful healers. And what if people who never heard of the name of Jesus, except as a swear word, started coming into our meetings because they're like, we heard this is where people get cured of cancer. Or, you know, in your workplace, they're like, you got to pray for somebody. And then other colleagues are coming like, I hear that you're the person to go to. God is with you and that, you know, this is where like my pain can get replaced by joy. Like, what if that started to happen? So I feel like God is kind of like, almost like just putting that, like, just dream with me. Like, use your imagination to, you know, what might I do? What if God started to use us as, as healers, you know, to communicate the healing of God to the people around us? So we're going to get a bit of time to pray now. And it might be that you, there's an area of disappointment that you really want to practice doing these three steps and praying with somebody else. It might be that actually that your area of the, the disappointment is like you want to actually carve out some time later in the week and not rush through, you know, but like, but I'd really encourage you whenever you do that to do that either with someone else or with God and someone else. And um, it might be that you have physical or emotional healing that you want prayerful today. We would love to pray, um, pray for you. Or it might be that you do desire to, to step out more in, in that, like taking the risks, following the Holy Spirit. And I feel like God is just wanting to say to us, like, there is more to come. You haven't seen all the stuff that I want to do in you and through you and for the for the city and for the people around you. So if, you know, like, we can pray for that for one another as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.